6. Old ease and darkness shuts down closely while it is still light in the open. If your camp is near the beaver house or beaver dam, or if your trip can be made by water, then, with no anxiety about your return, you can sit down and calmly await the coming of this most skillful of all building animals, and may see him add material to his house, or go on with his work of cutting down a tree, as a reward for your patience. Fishhawk. Osprey on the shore you will also find the fishhawk, or osprey, a well-mannered bird he is said to be, who fishes diligently and attends strictly to his own business. The fishhawk's nest will generally be at the top of a dead tree where no one may disturb or look into it, though, as the accompanying photograph shows, it is sometimes found on rocks near the ground. The young hawks had a way of their own of defending themselves from any climbing creature and to investigators of the nest the results are disastrously disagreeable as well as laughable. As the intruder climbs near, the baby birds put their heads over the sides of the nest and empty their stomachs upon him. This is vouched for by a well-known writer who claims to have gone through the experience. The female osprey is larger and stronger than the male. On slowly moving wings she sails over the water, dropping suddenly to clutching her strong talons the fish her keen eyes have detected near the surface of the water. Fish are fish to the osprey and salt waters or fresh are the same to her. I have watched the bird plunge into the waves of the ocean, on the coast of Maine, to bring out a cunner almost too large for her to carry, and I have seen her drop into the placid waters of an Adirondack lake for lake trout in the same manner. Blue Heron The great blue heron is one of the shore folk and his metallic blue-gray body gleams in the sunlight, as you sight him from your canoe, standing tall and slim, a lonely figure on the bank. He flies slowly and majestically, with his long legs streaming out behind. When out in a small boat on Puget Sound a large heron escorted us some distance. As we rode near the shore he would fly ahead and then wait for us, standing solemnly on a stone in the water or a partially submerged log, to fly again as we approached. This escort business seems to be a habit of the heron family, for the same thing occurred on the Tomoka River, Flaw, the home of the alligator, when a small, Brilliantly blue heron flew ahead of our boat for several miles, always stopping to await for us, and then going on again. The heron is a fisher and when you see him standing close to the water, on one foot perhaps, he is awaiting his game. It matters not how long he must remain immovable. There he will stand until the fish comes within striking distance, when the long, curved neck will shoot out like a snake and the strong beak grasp its unwary prey. Loon great northern diver another interesting bird, which you may both hear and see on secluded lakes, is the loon or great northern diver, I first heard the wild cry of the loon, a lonesome and eerie sound, on Pine River Pond, a small lake in the foothills of the White Mountains, there I saw the great bird dive and disappear beneath the water to remain an alarmingly long time, and then come up several hundred yards away, and rising, fly slowly to the shore, it is always a matter for guessing when the loon dives, for you can never tell where she will come up. This great diver is a large black and white bird, about the size of a goose. The breast is white, head black, and a white ring encircles its black neck. Its beak is long, its legs very short and placed far back on the body. It is essentially a water bird, and on shore is both slow and awkward. I do not think it possible to become very intimate with the loon, for it is one of the wildest of our birds, and so suspicious it will allow no close approach but quiet watching will reveal many of its interesting characteristics. Someone once found the nest of a loon and brought me a little, downy, young one that I might try to tame it, 
but it lived only a day or two in spite of all the devotion expended upon it, and its wild, frightened cry was too pathetic to allow of another experiment of the kind. Animals and birds of the open you will find that the wild life of the open differs in some respects from that of the woods, though there will be the woodchuck, the rabbit, the fox, and the hare in the fields and farmlands as well as in the woods, the weasel, too, makes unwelcome visits to the farm, but besides these there are other animals that are seldom or never found in the woods, field mass there is the little field mass, a short-eared and short-tailed little creature with a thick neck and of a red-brown color, it feeds on grain and seeds, and when hard-pressed for food will also eat the bark of trees, kangaroo rat, jumping mass in the underbrush near a meadow and at the edges of thickets you may possibly see, though they are not common, a diminutive animal, beautiful in form and color and of most interesting habits, in the southwest it is called the kangaroo rat, but north and east it is known as the jumping mass, the name kangaroo rat is given because of its short forelegs, strong hind legs, and the kangaroo-like leaps it makes, in temper it is very unlike the ordinary rat, it does not bite and can be safely handled, but will not live if kept in captivity, pocket gopher the pocket gopher lives and burrows in the fields, it is a mole-like animal but much larger than the common mole, its legs are short and its front feet strong, with long nails for digging, the fur is soft and silky and dark brown in color, where the gopher is there may be found the weasel, his greatest enemy, it should be an even fight between them, for they are equally matched in ill temper and savageness, and are near of a size though the gopher is the heavier, antelope on the great plains of the west you may still see the beautiful and gentle antelope, though that animal is fast disappearing, while the thieving coyote thrives and multiplies in the same region, coyote, prairie wolf the coyote, or prairie wolf, is about the size of a large dog and resembles one, its color is gray, made by a mixture of black and white hairs, it is a cowardly animal and not dangerous, but its contemptible character could not prevent a wave of compassion that came over me when I saw one poor creature caged in a wooden box and holding up the bloody stump where its forefoot had been torn off by the cruel and barbarous steel trap. Spermophile in the Middle West, especially in Indiana, the little spermophile, sometimes called the ground squirrel, is common and not afraid to venture into the outskirts of a village. One variety wears spotted brown and yellow stripes down its back, another is gray, but all are about the size of a gray squirrel. On the western prairies are the comical little prairie dogs. You can see them sitting up on their haunches watching the train as it carries you over the great plains. Bobbling the birds of the open are varied and many. Most of the forest birds are seen occasionally in the fields, but some birds make their homes in the open. You will find the bobolinks nest in a hay field or down among the red clover. The bobolink of the north is a sweet singer and is pretty in his black and white feathers with a touch of yellow at the back of his head. There are creamy yellow feathers down his back, too, but they are not noticeable. When he goes south the male loses his pretty coat and, clad like his mate in yellowish-brown, is known as the rice bird because he feeds on the rice crops. Here he is killed because he is considered a robber, and eaten because he is considered a delicacy. Meadowlark early spring trailing through the meadows will bring you the cheery song of the meadowlark, spring all the year, stalk him carefully and you will find a large brown bird with yellow breast and a black crescent on his throat, the meadowlark is about the size of a quail, he stands erect when he sings, and he has a rather long beak, the nest can be found, if you look for it, but is generally out of sight under a loosened clod of earth or tuft of grass. Red-winged blackbird the red-winged blackbird with his sweet call of Okalai, or Ushila 
you will also find on the meadows and marshes. He builds his nest among the reeds and is one of the first of our spring birds in the north. Song Sparrow The little song sparrow loves the open and the hot summer sunshine, trailing along a country road at midday. When most of the other birds are still, you will find the song sparrow sitting on a rail fence singing with a diminished enthusiasm. To make friends with the birds provide food and water for them, then sit down and wait quietly until they appear. Let them become accustomed to seeing you sitting still every day for a while. Then begin slow, careful movements, gradually becoming more natural, and in time the birds will allow you to walk among them as you please. If you are careful never to frighten them, you can do this in camp, you can do it at home if you are not living in a city. The trustful friendship of animals and birds opens a new path of happiness and one that all girls should be able, in some measure, to enjoy. Chapter VII Wild Food on the Trail Edible Fruits, Nuts, Roots, and Plants While wild foods gathered on the trail give a delightful variety to camp fare. Be advised and do not gather, still less eat, them unless you are absolutely sure you know what they are and that they are not poisonous. You must be able to identify a thing with certainty before tasting in order to enjoy it in safety. It is well worthwhile to make a study of the wild growing foods, but in the meantime this chapter will help you to know some of them. The italicized names are of the things I know to be edible from personal experience. You are probably well acquainted with the common wild fruits such as the raspberry, strawberry, blackberry, blueberry, and huckleberry. But there are varieties of these and all will bear description. Red raspberry The wild berry often has a more delicious flavor and perfume than the cultivated one of the same species. Nothing can approach the wonderful and delicate flavor of the little wild strawberry, unless it is the wild red raspberry and the fully ripe wild blackberry holds a spicy sweetness that makes the garden blackberry taste tame and flat in comparison. The wild red raspberry is found in open fields and growing along fences and the sides of the road. The flowers are white and grow in loose clusters, while the berry, when fully ripe, is a deep, translucent red. The bush is shrubby, is generally about waist high, and the stems bear small, hook prickles. The leaves are what is called compound being composed of three or five leaflets, usually three, which branch out from the main stem like the leaves of the rose bush. The edges of the leaves are irregularly toothed. The berry is cup-shaped and fits over a core which is called the receptacle, and from which it loosens when ripe to drop easily into your hand, leaving the receptacle and calyx on the stem. The sweet, far-carrying perfume of the gathered wild red raspberry will always identify it. The season for fruit is July and August. Black raspberry The growth and leaves of the wild black raspberry are like those of the red raspberry, and it is found in the same localities. The fruit, like the other, is cup or thimble-shaped and grows on a receptacle from which it loosens when fully ripe. Black caps. These berries are often called, they ripen in July. The berry is sometimes a little dry, but the flavor is sweet and fine. Purple flowering raspberry The purple flowering raspberry is acid and insipid, it can hardly be called edible. Though it is not poisonous, you will find it clambering among the rocks on the mountainside and in rocky soil. The leaves are large and resemble grape leaves, while the flower is large, purplish-red in color, and grows in loose clusters. Mountain Raspberry Cloudberry The usual home of the mountain raspberry, or cloudberry, is on the mountain tops among the clouds. You will find it in the White Mountains and on the coast of Maine, and it has recently been discovered at Montauk Point. L.I. The fruit has a pleasant flavor of a honey-like sweetness. The receptacle of the berry is broad and flat. The color is yellow touched with red where exposed to the sun. 
It does not grow in clusters like the other raspberries, but is solitary. The leaves are roundish with from five to nine lobes, something like the leaves of the geranium. The plant grows low, is without prickles, and the solitary flowers are white. In the far north, where it is found in great profusion, the cloudberry is made into delicious jam. Wild strawberry when crossing sandy knolls or open, and cultivated fields and pastures, the alluring perfume of the wild strawberry will sometimes lead you to the patch which shows the bright red little berry on its low-growing plant. It is common everywhere, though it bears the name of wild Virginia strawberry. In Latin it is most appropriately called fragaria, meaning fragrant. The leaves are compound with three coarsely toothed, hairy leaflets. The small white flowers grow in sparse clusters on rather long, hairy stems. They have many deep yellow stamens which are surrounded by the fine white petals. In fruiting time the leaves are often bright red, low-running blackberry among the mountains and hills, down in the valleys, and on the plains, straggling along roadsides, clinging to fence rails, and sprawling over rocks. You will find the wild blackberry. There are several varieties, and blackberries of some kind are common throughout the United States. The low-running blackberry belongs to the dewberry type and bears the largest and juiciest berries. It is a trailing vine with compound leaves of from four to seven leaflets which are double-toothed. The berries are black and glossy and grow in small clusters. They are sweet and pulpy when thoroughly ripe and the best ones are those which ripen slowly under the shelter of the leaves. Blackberries grow on a receptacle or core, but unlike the raspberry, they do not separate from it. When ripe they drop easily from the calyx carrying the receptacle with them. The flowers are small and white, and grow in clusters. Running swamp blackberry perhaps you have seen the blackberry with fruit so small it seems only partially developed and, like myself, have hesitated to taste it, not being sure that it was a true blackberry and edible. It takes a good many of these little berries to make a mouthful, but they are harmless. They are called the running swamp blackberry. They ripen in August and grow in sandy places as well as in the swamps. There are three leaflets, seldom more, to the stem, which are blunt at the tip, smooth shining, and coarsely toothed, the flowers are small and white, and the stems prickly, high bush blackberry throughout the northern states as far west as Iowa, Kansas, and Missouri and down to North Carolina, you may find the high bush blackberry, its stems are sometimes 10 feet high, they are furrowed and thorny and the bush grows along country roads, by fences, and in the woods, the berries are sweet, but quite seedy, they grow in long, loose clusters and ripen in July. Mountain blackberry There is another variety called the mountain blackberry. It has a spicy flavor, but the fruit is small and dry. The leaves are more elongated toward the tip than those of the others and they are finely toothed. The branches are reddish in color. Thornless blackberry The sweetest of all varieties is said to be the thornless blackberry. It ripens later than the others and has no thorns. The leaves are long and narrow. Eastern wild gooseberry Among the mountains from Massachusetts to North Carolina. The eastern wild gooseberry grows. It is said that its flavor is delicious. The fruit is purplish in color and is free from all prickles. It grows on slender stems and, like the cultivated gooseberry, is tipped with the dry calyx. The leaves are small, rather round, and have three or five lobes. The flowers are greenish and insignificant. The plant is three or four feet high, with spreading branches and smooth stems. Dwarf blueberry perhaps the most satisfactory of all berries when one is really hungry is the blueberry, of which there are several varieties. The dwarf blueberry is probably the most common. It is the earliest of the blueberries to ripen and grows in the thin, 
sandy, and rocky soil which is spurned by most other plants, you will find it upon barren hillsides, in rocky fields, and in dry pine woods, the berries are round, blue, about the size of peas, and are covered with bloom like the grape, they grow in thick clusters at the end of the branch and are tipped with fine calyx teeth, the seeds are so small as to be almost unnoticed and the soft ripe berry will bruise easily, the flavor of all blueberries has a nutty quality which seems to give the berry more substance as a food, the leaf is rather narrow and blunt at each end, the underside is a lighter green than the upper and both are glossy, in the fall the leaves turn red and drop easily, the bush is low and the branches usually covered with small, white dots, low blueberry another variety is called the low blueberry, it is very much like the dwarf blueberry, but the bush grows sometimes as high as four feet, it is stiff and upstanding and prefers the edge of the woods and sheltered roadsides to the dry open fields, the berries are bloom with a grape-like bloom and, like the first variety, grow in thick clusters at the end of the branch, you can grab a good handful in passing, so many are there in a bunch, high bush blueberry on the high bush blueberry the color of the berries varies, some bushes bear a black, shiny berry, others a smooth, blue, and still others bloom with a bloom, the sizes differ also, the berries grow in clusters, at times on branches almost bare of leaves, some are sweet, others sour, the leaves are upwand oval with the underside lighter in color than the upper, in some cases the underside is hairy, the flowers are pinkish and shaped somewhat like a cylinder, the bush grows occasionally to the height of 10 feet, and you will generally find it in marshy places, I know that it grows by the edge of T. Duscan Lake in Pike County, huh, where our summer camp is located but it is found also in pasture lands. Dangly berry another variety is called the dangly berry. The berries grow on stems in loose clusters, they are rather large, of a dark blue color with a bloom, they ripen late and are not very plentiful. The pale green leaves are large, white, and resinous underneath, and are oval in shape. The flowers are greenish pink and hang like bells on slender stems. Wintergreen, checkerberry almost everyone knows the little cherry red wintergreen berry or checkerberry and almost everyone likes its sweet aromatic flavor but few would care to make a meal of it. The fruit is too dried for hearty eating and the flavor too decided. The evergreen leaves are leathery in texture and their flavor is stronger than that of the berry, they are whitish underneath and dark, glossy green above. They are oval in shape and have a few small teeth or none at all. The flowers are white, waxy, and cup-shaped, they hang like bells from their short stems. The plant grows close to the ground. Generally in the woods and moist places, it is found as far north as Maine and west to Michigan. Do not mistake the bunchberry for the wintergreen. It, too, grows low on the ground, but the bunchberries are in closed clusters at the top of the small plant where the leaves radiate. The berries are bright scarlet, round and smooth, and are not edible. Flower and leaf resemble those of the dogwood tree, to which family the bunchberry belongs. Partridgeberry another ground berry is the partridgeberry. This may be eaten but is dry and rather tasteless. It is a red berry and grows on a slender, trailing vine. Its leaves are small and heart-shaped, some are veined with white. They are evergreen. The flowers grow in pairs and are like four-point stars at the ends of slender tubes. Inside they are creamy white, outside a delicate pink. The partridge berry likes pine forests and dry woods. June berry. Shabbish there are berries on trees as well as on bushes and vines. At least they are called berries though not always resembling them. The June berry is a tree from 10 to 30 feet in height, while its close relative, the shabbish, is a low tree and sometimes a shrub. 
The fruit resembles the seed vessels of the rose, it grows in clusters and is graded in color from red to violet, it has a slight bloom and the calyx shows at the summit. It ripens in June and is said to be sweet and delicious in flavor. The oblong leaves are sharply toothed, rounded at the base and blonde at the tip. The young leaves are hairy. The flowers are white and grow in clusters. The shabbish grows in wet places and its fruit is smaller and on shorter stems. It is also said to be more juicy. The leaves are rather woolly. Red mulberry Although the finest mulberry trees are said to be found along the Mississippi and the lower Ohio rivers, I have seen large, thrifty trees in Connecticut and on Long Island. They grow from Massachusetts to Florida and west to Nebraska. Birds are very fond of the mulberry. The first rose-breast grosbeaks I ever saw were in a great mulberry tree on a farm in the northern part of Connecticut. The berry is shaped much like a blackberry, it is juicy and sweet, but lacks flavor. It grows on a short stem and is about an inch in length. In July when the berry ripens it is a dark purple. There is a decided variety in the shape of the leaves on one tree, some have seven lobes, some none at all. The edges of most are scalloped, though I have seen leaves with smooth edges. The white mulberry is seldom found growing wild. The fruit is like the red mulberry but perfectly white. Sweet viburnum. Nanny berry. Sheepberry the fruit of the sweet viburnum. Nanny berry or sheepberry. Is said to be edible. It grows on a small tree. Of the honeysuckle family. In the woods and by the streams from Canada to Georgia and west as far as Missouri. The tree has a rusty. Scaly bark and broad. Oval leaves. Plonked at the tip and finely toothed. The flower clusters are large and, though white, they appear yellowish from the many yellow anthers at the center. When entirely ripe the fruit is a dark blue or black and is covered with a bloom, before ripening it is crimson. The berry grows in clusters on slender red stems. It is elongated and rather large. At its summit is the calyx and stigma. The seed inside the berry is a stone which is flattened, blunt blunt, and grooved. The fruit ripens in September and October. Large fruit thorny thorns. Large fruit and scarlet. Heredible. As a child I knew the fruit as haws and was very fond of it. The large fruit thorn is a low tree with branches spreading out horizontally. You will often find it in thickets. The bark is rough and the thorns on the branches are long, sharp, and of a light brown color. In flavor the fruit is sweet and apple-like. The flesh is dry and mealy. It grows on hairy stems and the seeds are hard, rounded, and grooved. The summit is tipped with the calyx and it ripens in September. The leaves are thick, narrowed at the base, and rounded at the ends, with veins underneath that are prominent and often hairy. Black haw, stag bush the fruit of the black haw, or stag bush, is not edible until after frost has touched it. It is oval, dark bloom with bloom, and about half an inch long. It grows in stiff clusters on short, branching stems. The shrub, which is sometimes a small tree, is bushy and crooked, with stout and spreading branches. It is found from Connecticut to Georgia and as far west as the Indian Territory. It grows among the underbrush in forests. The bark is scaly and of a reddish-brown color. The leaves are dark green and smooth on the upper side, paler and sometimes covered with matte hair on the underside. Where the veins show prominently, they are two or three inches long and generally oval in shape with no teeth. The flowers are cream white and grow in flat-topped clusters. Wild plums. Canada plum There is a wild plum that is found in our New England states and in Canada known as the Canada plum. The plant grows along fences, in thickets, and by the side of streams. The plum is from one inch to one and a half inches long and is red or orange in color. It has a tough skin and a flat stone. The flavor is considered pleasant but the fruit is generally used for preserving. 
The leaves have long, sharp points at the ends and are rather heart-shaped at the base. The flowers, white and bud, change to pink when opened. They grow in thin clusters. Beach plum usually on sandy and stony beaches, though at times farther inland, you may find the beach plum. It is a low shrub and grows in clumps. The fruit is apt to be abundant and is sweet when quite ripe. This plum, also, is used for preserving. The color of the fruit is from red to red-purple. It has a bloom over it and grows on a slender stem. The thin stone is rounded on one edge, sharp on the other, and generally has blunt ends. The fruit ripens in August and September. The leaf is oval, has a sharp blunt tip, is rounded at the base, and has fine, forward blunt teeth. There are many white flowers which grow in clusters along the branches. Wild red cherry The wild red cherry is sour but edible. It is best used as preserves. The tree is usually small yet sometimes reaches the height of 30 feet. It is oftenest found in the woods of the north, but also grows among the mountains as far south as Tennessee. The bark is a reddish-brown and has rusty dots over it. The leaves are oblong, blunt at the tips and rather blunt at the base. They are bright green and glossy. The white flower is much like the cultivated cherry blossom but smaller, it grows in clusters. The cherries are light red and about the size of a pea. Illustration, Canada Plum Scarlet Hall Wild Black Cherry Fruits found principally in the north and the middle west. Sand cherry growing in the sand along our eastern coast as far south as New Jersey and sometimes on the shores of the Great Lakes. The sand cherry is found. It is a low, trailing bush, but in some cases sends up erect branches as high as four feet. The fruit is dark red-black when quite ripe and about half an inch long. It grows in small clusters or solitary, and is said to be sweet and edible. The leaves, dark green on the upper side, are lighter underneath, they are rather narrow, broadest toward the end and tapering at the base. The edges toothed almost to the base. The flowers are white and thinly clustered. Persimmon in the southern, western, and middle states, some say as far north as New York, grows the persimmon. Deliciously sweet and spicy when frost has ripened it. Very astringent until ripe. It is plentiful in Kentucky and one of my earliest memories is of going to market with my mother in the fall to buy persimmons. There I learned to avoid the fair, perfect fruit. Though to all appearances it was quite ripe. And to choose that which looked bruised and broken. The persimmon is about the size of a plum. But is flattened at the poles. It grows close to the branch and its calyx is large. The color is yellow generally flushed with red. Some writers describe it as juicy, but I would not call it that, the flesh is more like custard or soft jelly. The tree usually varies in height from 30 to 50 feet, but in some places is said to reach 100 or more feet. The trunk is short and the branches spreading. In the south it often forms a thicket in uncultivated fields and along roadsides. The bark is dark brown or dark gray. The surface is scaly and divided into plates. The leaves are usually a narrow oval with smooth edges, when matured they are dark green and glossy on the upper side, underneath pale and often downy. The flower is a creamy white or greenish yellow. Papa the papa is another fruit I knew well as a child. It is sometimes called custard apple because the flesh resembles soft custard. As I write I can almost taste the, to me, sickish sweetness of the fruit and feel the large, smooth, flat seeds in my mouth. In shape the papa somewhat resembles the banana. The texture of the skin is the same, but the surface of the papa is smoothly rounded and it is shorter and thicker than the banana, being usually from 3 to 5 inches long. It ripens in September and October. The tree is small, often a shrub, and it grows wild no farther north than western New York. 
There are some cultivated papa trees on Long Island, but I do not think they bear fruit. Certainly none that I have seen have ever fruit. You will find the tree as far south as Florida and Texas, through the middle states and west to Michigan and Kansas. It flourishes in the bottom lands of the Mississippi Valley and seeks the shade of the forests. The bark is dark brown with gray blotches, the leaves are large, being from 2 to 12 inches long and 4 inches wide. They are oval, blonde at the tip and narrowed at the base. When matured they are smooth, dark green on the upper side and paler beneath. At first the flower is as green as the leaves, but finally turns a deep red purple. It grows close to the branch and is solitary. May apple one of the most delicious wild fruits we have is the may apple or mandrake. It is finely flavored, sweet and juicy, but being a laxative one must eat of it sparingly. It is most common in the middle states and reaches perfection in Ohio. The plant is from 12 to 18 inches high, and the large umbrella-like leaves are lifted on smooth, straight stems. The fruit usually grows from the fork of two leaves. It is yellow, lemon-shaped, and about the size of a plum. The flesh is like that of the plum and there are numerous seeds in fleshy seed coverings. It ripens in July and is quite soft when fully ripe. I have sometimes gathered the firm, yellow may apples, put them away in a cool, dark, dry place to ripen, and in taking them out have found them in prime condition. They will ripen in this way without spoiling if not allowed to touch one another. The leaves frequently measure a foot in diameter, they have from five to nine lobes, which are notched and plonked at the tips. The upper side is darker than the lower, while the fruit of the may apple is edible. The leaves and root are poisonous, not to the touch but to the taste. The flower is a clear white with from 8 to 12 rounding petals and it generally measures about one and a half inches across. The petals expand in, 